This podcast is brought to you by Ragu Old World Style Traditional Sauce. A great sauce starts with the best ingredients. Ragu Old World Style Traditional Sauce is that great sauce. Inspired by our founder's original recipe, Ragu Old World Style Traditional Sauce is made with delicious ingredients, including vine-ripened tomatoes, chopped onions, garlic, and olive oil, simmered together for the authentic taste you and your family will want to come back to. For recipes, sauces, and mealtime inspiration, visit ragu.com. Hey, this is nothing but a good news episode. First and foremost, I want to bring news from San Francisco. I just got back with my family from San Francisco, where we were there to celebrate with our friend and brother, Chesa Boudin, who won his election to be the next district attorney of that city. I want to explain why it's such a big deal and how we organized ourselves into that victory. Then I want to give you an update, of course, about the case of Rodney Reed. I want to unpack some of the lies that are being told about Rodney and help us push forward in the right direction. Today is Veterans Day. Rodney's dear father, Walter, was a 30-year Air Force veteran. We honor him, honor all the veterans in our family. But I want to point you in the direction that we're going in with our action steps for Rodney tomorrow. This is Sean King. And you are listening to the the, the breakdown. The, 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 the breakdown. The, 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 the breakdown. If you go all the way back to ancient history at this point, to the very, very first episode of the breakdown. I tell you the story of a young man that I admire. He is what I call one of my peer heroes. We are friends and brothers. We are peers. But he is a hero of mine. I admire him for the work that he has done for years now as a public defender in San Francisco, as a civil rights organizer and activist. His name is Chesa Boudin. And he was running. Uh, I told this story on episode one that he was running for district attorney of San Francisco. And a lot of people thought it was ridiculous (laughs) and thought that it was just preposterous that Chesa, who uh, is an activist through and through, who has uh, a compassionate heart and who still believes in revolutionary change and who believes we can shape and shift entire systems, that he was running for district attorney seemed preposterous to a lot of people, not just in San Francisco, but all over the country. And I am so, so proud to report that after all of the votes were counted, uh, his election was on this past election day, this past Tuesday, but it was too close to call. And so they had to count all of the late ballots and all the mail-in ballots and all the provisional ballots. And after all the votes were counted, Chesa Boudin was elected as the next district attorney of San Francisco. And uh, I, I could not be more proud of him. More proud of all of the volunteers and organizers. I'm grateful for all of you who are donors and and volunteers. And uh, so thank you for your support of Chase. If you're listening and you're a donor, supporter, we're grateful that you did that and invested your hard-earned resources into it. But I want to tell a story, and, and forgive me if you've heard this story before. It's, a, it's a, an abbreviated version of it. But in 2014... I was not uh, a host of The Breakdown. Uh, We did not yet know that we would call this movement the Black Lives Matter movement. It wasn't called that yet. 
All we knew is that we saw these cases of police violence happening all over the country. Right here in New York, where I am, with Eric Garner. A few weeks later, with a young man in Los Angeles named Ezel Ford, with Mike Brown in Ferguson, with John Crawford in Ohio, eventually with Tamir Rice there in Cleveland, Ohio, just a few months later there in 2014. And as we began organizing all over the country and raising hell and having protests and and sit-ins and die-ins and hashtags and trending topics, and as we began chanting Black Lives Matter and hands up, don't shoot, and I can't breathe, and wearing T-shirts and sweatshirts and taking knees and raising black power fists and as folk began shutting down highways and doing all of that, what I did not fully account for was the painful reality that people in power, particularly a single person in each county called the district attorney, sometimes the county attorney, or sometimes it's called the state's attorney, but they normally represent one city or one county, and it's one person, that if that person is not connected to you, not connected to the community, doesn't emerge from that community. They are fully willing, and we learn this in the most painful way, all throughout 2014 as people put their lives and bodies on the line protesting for these families against cases of police violence. What we learned is that the district attorney in Los Angeles, the district attorney in Staten Island in New York where Eric Garner was killed, the district attorney in Cleveland, what we learned is that if they don't care about who we are, if they don't feel like we voted them into office, they are fully willing to just wait out our protest, no matter how confrontational, no matter how well covered they are by local, national, international media, they are fully willing to look at those things and just wait them out. And they are not swayed by our hashtags or trending topics. They are not swayed by headlines or news stories or television coverage, that all of that stuff happened in 2014, so much so that Black Lives Matter and the cases of police violence that I've been talking about were really the top news story in the world in 2014. And yet not a single person of the nearly 1,200 people who were killed by American police in 2014 Not a single person or their family received justice, 0.00%. And what I just did not understand was that it was in great part, and I've unpacked this on multiple episodes, it was in great part for two reasons why justice was so impossible. First and foremost, America's laws on the issues of police violence are bad. And I talk about that on some of the early episodes where I break down the Supreme Court cases, Tennessee versus Garner and, and uh, Graham versus Connor and others. But immediately, it's because local district attorneys in those cities and in cities all over the country just really weren't moved. They truthfully just really didn't care. And because district attorneys and police officers are not just left hand, right hand, but fingers on the same hand, they are close partners. And I don't say that as a critique. It's just an observation. It's a reality. Because of that, district attorneys just weren't willing to indict, to properly investigate, to charge, and certainly not to convict officers even in the most egregious cases. And so we proceeded with a lot of the same strategies and tactics in 2014, 2015, 2016, 
And finally, at the end of 2016, uh, a group of us um, who were staffers and volunteers in the Bernie Sanders campaign formed an organization called Real Justice. And our singular goal was to elect new district attorneys all over the country to say, hey, if you're not going to listen to us, if you're not going to care about our concerns and our agenda, we'll replace you with men and women who do. And you've probably heard me say these statistics a lot, but they're each important. The nation has about 2,350 district attorneys. They are 95% white. They are 82% male and overwhelmingly conservative. And that could be a conservative Democrat or a conservative Republican, but they are overwhelmingly conservative. Even in cities that are dominated, and I put quotation marks around this, by Democrats, quotation marks there, in cities like San Diego and Sacramento that uh, Hillary, Clinton, Hillary Clinton won by 15 and 20, 25 percent, they still have conservative Republican district attorneys there. And that's a whole other episode that I could use to break down why that's the case. But we decided that we were going to try to recruit and identify and support uh, amazing candidates running for district attorney to support grassroots leaders on the ground who are helping run and organize those efforts. And over the past three years, we have replaced district attorneys in Philadelphia, in Boston, in St. Louis, in San Antonio, and now in San Francisco, some of America's largest cities with some of the nation's worst legal systems or justice systems. We have replaced those district attorneys with amazing, compassionate, reform-minded new ones in Dallas and elsewhere. And so we are proud that we organized ourselves into victory in San Francisco. And I, I, I just want to linger here for a second because I talked about Chase Boudin just a few episodes back because the mayor of San Francisco, London Breed, who was a, a moderate Democrat, London Breed n- not only endorsed Chase's opponent, and that's fine, that is everybody's position and opportunity, but when the current DA stepped down just a few weeks ago, the mayor of San Francisco appointed Chase's primary rival as the interim district attorney, just putting her thumb on the scale against everybody's wishes, against everybody's best advice. And it actually backfired on the mayor and backfired on Chase's opponent, Susie Loftus, who, uh, who Chase narrowly defeated, because in part people saw through it. They saw that, oh, this is the establishment trying to steal this race. And I think Chaser could have still beaten Susie fair and square. But when it seemed like the establishment was going all in for Susie, people in San Francisco fought back. The governor endorsed Chase's opponent. And Governor Gavin Newsom, I would call him my friend. And I would call him someone who cares about criminal justice reform. But he did not endorse the candidate who was for criminal justice reform. Kamala Harris did not endorse Chase, but endorsed his primary opponent. Both senators endorsed Chase's opponent. In fact, basically the entire Democratic establishment went in the other direction. And we see this happening all over the country where mainstream, moderate or, or centrist Democrats, corporate Democrats who claim on their websites that, that they're for justice reform, end up not supporting the candidate 
who's really for justice reform. They may come on at the last minute. And so Bernie Sanders ended up really being one of the only national voices who backed Chasa. And it made a real difference, not only because uh, Bernie Sanders endorsed him, but Bernie Sanders allowed his campaign and staff and volunteers to to support Chasa and his campaign. And so it's an amazing thing. I mean, when you organize, you get to you get to have moments where you win. And I am afraid that sometimes we get so used to losing that we think we're destined to lose. And and I have to say this. It's not good enough to be right. It's not good enough to be good. Be right. Hear my heart. Be right. Be good. Have integrity. Have decency. But you have to organize, too. Being all of those things is not enough to win. You could be all of those things and lose in perpetuity if you don't organize. And now, in just probably six weeks or so, Chesa will become the full-time district attorney of one of America's largest cities. And I hold it up personally, as one of the biggest victories of my entire life as an organizer, but I hold it up as one of the biggest victories in the modern-day civil rights movement to have Chesa Boudin, who is, a, who is a visionary reformer who wants— I don't even know that reformer is the right word for Chesa or for us. He imagines a completely different system. And I think he has the guts and the intelligence. He's a brilliant, brilliant man, a kind soul. I think he has the guts and the brilliance and uh, and the determination to build that system, to tear down what exists and build something much, much better and equitable in its place. I told this story to, 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 to inspire you, to inspire you to try to duplicate that in your city, in your county, in your state. And not just for district attorney, but for whatever race it is, just know that you don't have to sell out. You don't have to sell out your vision, your principles. And uh, Chesa, you know, Chesa was himself, a full version of himself the entire way. And uh, we're, we're proud of him, proud of his team, and proud of each of you who supported him. I want to come back and tell you about the experience that my family and I had in Austin. In, in one day, we, in 24 hours, we were in Brooklyn then in Austin, Texas. Then I spoke at a rally for my friend Zahar Bilu at the CARE San Francisco banquet. And then that same night, uh, spoke at the celebration for Chesa. I want to tell you what I saw and felt on the ground in Austin, Texas, as we led a rally at the governor's mansion. But first, I want to give you some updates from one of our sponsors. We are now just about two weeks away from the national release of the brilliant film, Queen and Slim. I've already purchased pre-sale tickets for my family and I. For me, it is one of the most anticipated films of the entire year. I said it before, I'll say it again. The moment I saw the trailer for Queen and Slim, I was hooked right away. First, the cinematography is brilliant, and so just the, the, the images, the colors... The, the lighting, the design is beautiful. The music is great. It's the cast. It's the directing. It's the writing. Once I saw the trailer for Queen and Slim, I was like, I've got to see that. And for me, it was not only one of the best trailers of 2019 that just hooked me in from the beginning. It's one of the, the most anticipated films of the entire year. It comes out on this November 27th. Please, 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 I say it with capital letters in bold print. Please get your pre-sale tickets. 
please plan on going to see Queen and Slim on a date night or an outing with your crew. It's going to be an amazing film. It's what happens when you have a story of black love, of black life, of all that that means, good, bad, and ugly, and everything in between. It's what happens when you have black people that write that movie, that direct and produce that movie, that do the fashion and music for that movie. And so Queen and Slim is just going to be a brilliant, colorful, authentic film. I cannot wait for each and every one of you to take a look. This past weekend, really for the very first time in my life, and and my life is starting to be a long life. And so for the first time in my life, I traveled to Austin, Texas. I heard about Austin I've never been to South by Southwest. I've been invited and and have wanted to go before, but just could never work it out. So for the very first time, I was in Austin, Texas, not for a music festival, but to fight there in the capital uh, of one of America's largest states to fight for justice for Rodney Reed, to spend time with his dear mother, Sandra, uh, with his brother, Roderick, and other family members. Uh, to be there with local organizers who've been pouring their heart and soul out while many of us are new to this cause. They are organizers and activists and journalists all around Austin and the surrounding counties who've been fighting for Rodney, not for a year, but have been fighting for Rodney for nearly 23 years. And I met many people who had been there for the cause for five years, 10 years, 15 or more years, and it just showed me the the cost of mass incarceration in this country, the the pain of it. But the rally, as hard as it is to be fighting to save a man from death row, the rally was a beautiful moment. It was a beautiful moment of solidarity, of encouragement. I saw so many people who were still smiling, laughing, encouraging one another, uh, speaking good words over one another, uh, expressing their gratitude to, to each other for showing up. And what I learned and what I understood is that this family, the family of Rodney Reed, has been fighting for the most part over the course of these 23 years. Most of their battles have been alone or nearly alone. Like, they've had a few people who've been with them along the way, but they've had many protests where two people showed up, four or five people showed up. And so to have millions of people sign the petition to free Rodney Reed, to have people from all over the country, we had people who flew in, who all the way from other states flew in to be there at the rally. We had people who drove in from all over Texas and outside of Texas just to be there. It was a a deeply encouraging moment for for Rodney, and and it was an encouraging moment for his brother Roderick and his mother Sandra. And uh, my family left encouraged. You know, I keep my wife and kids out of the public eye, and, and sometimes we even try not to appear at public events like that together just for safety reasons. And... It was the first time that we had really been at an event like that together, and it was a moving moment for us. It was a moving moment for my kids. My my two oldest girls are now, we have a senior in high school and a daughter who's off to college. They've traveled with me and heard me speak like it's old news for them. But my babies, who are 6 and 10 and 13, 
they haven't always seen this. And, and I've talked on the show about how we kind of keep them from some of it. But it was a moving experience even for them to see me in that capacity uh, trying to to speak to the audience and encourage them and, and, and give them some action steps like we do here on The Breakdown. So it was a powerful moment. And we left there encouraged. And I am still encouraged because we are organizing. But here we are now just eight days away. We have uh, multiple court hearings this week. Um on the district court level, and then there is an appeal even before the Supreme Court. And obviously, we are still fighting to petition the governor to grant a reprieve or a delay or clemency of some kind, which takes me to our action steps for today. Action, 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 steps, take action, 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 steps. If you have not already gone to freerodneyreed.com and signed up, please do. If you are not getting the regular emails from the Free Rodney Reed team, please go back to freerodneyreed.com and sign up again. Maybe put an alternative email address there or even put the same email address. Now that we've had now nearly 2.8 million people who've signed our petition, we have, this is staggering to me, nearly 300,000 email addresses that have errors. And so one of those could very well be yours. And if you're not getting the emails, it could be in your spam or you could have put an incorrect email address there. So please go there and sign up. But we have now made over 100,000 phone calls to the governor's office, to various legislators, to the Board of Pardons and Paroles. And today and for the rest of the week, we're going to be pushing you to make a new set of phone calls. So if you go to freerodneyreed.com, we'll have all of those new calls there, all of the new numbers there. And in the morning, we're going to be emailing you all of the instructions for those calls. And so we're encouraging you to do that. And we are asking you to do something that we've never done before. We're asking you to host a free Rodney Reed event in your city. And we will coach you through the process of what that's going to mean. And it could be a vigil. It could be a rally. It could be uh, a talk. But we're encouraging you to host your own free Rodney Reed event in your city to not only bring attention, but to give solidarity to one another, to organize in your own way, uh, wherever you are all over the country. And so we are emailing out now. Many of you may have actually already received these instructions We're emailing out instructions for you to start a free Rodney Reed event in your city this week. And time is of the essence. It is it is ticking away. And as encouraged as I am by our rally, I would be lying if I said I wasn't nervous. I am deeply, deeply concerned that. The hearings will not go our way. It's an increasingly conservative judicial branch of our government. I am deeply concerned that the governor will simply uh, look at this appeal, look at all the conservatives and Democrats that have come together across Texas and just ignore it and allow the execution to proceed. So we will see. And what I want to know is that we did everything we could do to save this man's life. And I want us to do that. I want you to do that. 
And just as hard as it is for you to uh, get on the phone and call people, 100,000 calls have been made. We also want you to step up and start an event in your city, in your town, on your college campus, in your community to free Rodney Reed. Break it down. Thank you all so much for tuning in to this episode, a special episode as we continue to fight for Rodney Reed. If you have not already subscribed to this podcast, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever podcast platform you use. Also, share it with your friends and family. Let them know all about it because we're trying to get to 100,000 subscribers. We can't get there without you. Listen, we're not just here to change the news. We're here to change the world. And when the North Star was started by Frederick Douglass and Martin Delaney all the way back in 1847, it wasn't because they wanted to be media moguls. It was because they wanted to abolish slavery. And that's why we exist today, to abolish the systems and institutions of oppression that continue to hold us back and continue uh, to confound us in so many ways. So thank you so much for your support. If you'd like to financially support this podcast, you can become a founding member of the North Star at thenorthstar.com. We're grateful for nearly 30,000 people who became founding members. We're so grateful for your support. Of course, thank you so much to Lissandra, our associate producer, and Willis, our senior producer and podcast director. And of course, thank you to the entire staff of the Action Pack who's been working around the clock to help free Rodney Reed. Take care, everybody. Right now at Kohl's, it's the last-minute gift sale. Take an extra 20% off and save on kitchen must-haves. Get 25% off toys and get 20% off fragrance gift sets. Plus, get Kohl's cash. Plus, fast and free store pickup. Still not sure what to get? Our gift cards are always a great idea. Give with all your heart. Shop Kohl's and Kohl's.com. Select styles. 20% offer valid December 21st through December 24th with promo code RECEIVE20. Offers and coupons do not apply to toys and beauty. Some exclusions apply. See store or Kohl's.com for details.